Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Word Community Church. How are you doing today? Hey, Brian. <laughs> Let's stand together. It's great to have you here on this beautiful day. We serve an amazing God. The more I see, the more I learn, the more I read, the more I see the Lord working in our lives, it's just overwhelming sometimes how great he is and how much he cares for each and every one of us, each and every one of you, right? Let's bow our heads and hearts and just thank him for that. Lord, we are so grateful that you consider us, Lord, and in such a way, an overwhelming way, you've considered us so much that you gave Jesus. And Jesus said you gave yourself and surrendered your will to the Father's will that we may be here now and standing here in your presence, seeking your face, giving you praise, Lord. We just thank you that we can come into the Holy of Holies. Lord Jesus, we thank you for interceding for us, for taking our place on the cross, Lord, for allowing for an exchange of our sin, Lord, for your righteousness. Father, we just ask that if there are hearts stirred here as we sing these songs and they hear the word, that have not exchanged their filthy rags for your white, clean clothes, Lord God. We just ask that that would happen this day. And Father, that we would continue in this time of celebration and communion with you. And God, we thank you for an opportunity to sing songs of praise to you, to open your holy word and study it, Lord God. We do not take these times for granted as we see what's going on around this country and around the world, Lord God. Father, we want to keep our eyes fixed upon you and you alone this day. So Lord, we ask that you just push away all those things that crowd in our hearts and our minds and allow us this time, Lord, <clears throat> as we draw near to you, Lord God, to show us Father, Son, and Spirit again and again. We want to honor you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. John the Baptist said, He must increase and I must decrease, talking about himself and the Lord Jesus. And that's kind of the inspiration for this song about him being bigger in our lives. I want you bigger than all around me, I want to see you magnify this day. And when the power of your presence surrounds me, I'm overwhelmed beyond what words can say. I want you bigger in my life, all around me. I want to see you I once was running, once was running in shame and doubt, now I'm held within your hands. Sands were sinking on the shores of life, you're the rock on which I stand. Once was running in shame and doubt, now I'm held within your hands. Sands were sinking on the shores of life, you're the rock on which I stand. I want you bigger in my life, all around me. I want to see you like Oh, yes, I do. And when the power of your presence surrounds me, I'm overwhelmed beyond what Crushed in spirit, crushed in spirit from the weight of the world, now melted in the veil. Sand 
drift sinking on the shores of life You're the rock on which I stand Crushed in spirit on the way the world down He'll drift in your hand Sand drift sinking on the shores of life You're the rock on which I stand I want you bigger in my life All around me I want to see you like a this day And when the power of your Save 
church how are we doing good spring is here right it's really nice outside um, we're gonna worship today and and get to know the Lord more um, but we're gonna continue with announcements there's a lot of things going on guys um, I would encourage you that you check your calendars okay I was actually looking at the announcements today and I was like okay I need to attend this right um, even if we don't have the time um, we need to make time for the things that are important, and Jesus is number one. He's very important. So we're going to continue with the Today is Bagel Fellowship after church in the Rock. Join us for bagels and refreshments. For those of you that are here for the first time, also join us um, so we can get to know each other, okay? 
Hope Moms will be meeting this afternoon after the Bagel Fellowship in the parent-child room at 1 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> this week's Bible studies and prayer meetings, there's a few. So Monday, men's and women's Bible study at 7 p.m. This is what I was talking about. I was looking at this, and I was like, okay, put it in the schedule, right? Look at your schedule. Okay, all men, I want to see you raise your hands. Men? Men. See, everyone who's a man out there, raise your hand. Yes. All right, we'll see you there, 7 o'clock. Go ahead. Women, yes. raise your hands. Okay, women. Uh, oh, uh, there, I see it. Awesome. That's the rest of you, right? Right. See you there, <laughs> see you there at 7. Right. Tuesday. We have a lot of great studies going on, so they're really not attended as well as we'd like them to be attended. So we miss you. Come on out and fellowship and just enjoy studying the word. Yeah, for sure. And um, and, and this is this is um, in addition to your own study, right? This is how we continue to learn the word and about Jesus. So Tuesday, women's Bible study at 945 a.m., Saturday, women's prayer meeting at 8 a.m., and we also have the midweek service uh, Wednesday night uh, and prayer at 7 p.m. So make sure you make note of that, okay? Uh, Friday, March 31st, is going to be the Spanish worship night at 7 p.m. Join us for an evening of worship in Spanish here in the church. Um, and for those of you that have friends uh, that have never been to church, maybe that could be an introduction to church, right? Um, people that speak Spanish, bring them to worship night. Also, we're happy to announce that summer camp will run from July 10th through the 21st. An email reminder went out on Thursday regarding summer camp registration with the link to register your children. There is a $25 non-refundable registration fee per family due at registration. Please register your children by April 2nd. Um, and I'm not sure, but we might need well, we might need people that would like to serve, um, but this is something that we can speak about next week. Okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to need people to serve. So just keep that in mind. If the Lord is putting it in your heart to serve that way, then, then put it in your schedule, okay? We have enough time to put that in our schedule. And then um, lastly, uh, I'm going to bring up Derek. Uh, he's going to speak about the men's discipleship. But just briefly, this is a new ministry here in Living Word. It's called the Men's Discipleship Ministry. There's going to be a meet and greet today in the Rock Center during Bagel Fellowship. Okay? So, Derek. Yeah, so in the Rock today, we're going to have um, a sign-up for the men all in the church. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit about what the men's discipleship and what God's put on our heart. Um, I have a few notes here that I'll follow. So basically, the, the, it's to equip men to make disciples, to not only share our faith, but to live it out. You know, a lot of times, you know, as, you know, there's a discrepancy as we're learning a lot. And we have many ministries where we're trying to take in this information, but there's discrepancy in my own life at times where I'm like, I'm, I'm not bearing fruit, you know, and I'm not really following through. Um, so we have this ministry that we're trying to start. Um, and there's two aspects to it. So the first aspect is that we're going to be doing discipleship classes. We're going to really look at what does the Lord call us to do as disciples, to follow him. And the second thing that I'm most excited about with the discipleship is like a mentorship program where 
men will have somebody that they can go to and really have that more private discussion where we can really look at all the things that we're learning here and we go and we really look at what God is calling us to and we can start applying that personally into our life and you have this accountability partner that you can go to and there's a, a level of confidentiality there. Um, so that's what it is. Um, it's going to be me, Dante, Raphael, and Tito will be in the uh, rock today, and you can sign up. All right. God bless. And then last but not least, are there any guests here? We would like to welcome you. Please raise your hand. I saw quite a few new, new faces. Uh, welcome over there on my right. Welcome. We're going to give you some information about our church, okay? Anybody else? Welcome right there on, on my left as well, over here as well. Okay, we have a lot of guests today. We would like to welcome you. We're going to give you information about our church. An usher, my husband's going to come up to you and give you information. Okay, if you can just fill that out. Um, and then once you're all done, um, actually after service, bring it over to the sound room over there in the back. And we're going to give you a free Jesus DVD. And if you don't have a DVD player, then you can always scan the barcode. Okay, um, anybody else? Did I miss someone on this side? No? All right. God bless you guys. Thank you, Brenda. We can have our ushers come forward as we continue worshiping the Lord in this time of our offering. As the basket passes, you're welcome to stand with us and continue to worship, or if you'd like to remain seated, that's fine as well. But we'll continue in this time of worship as the basket passes. So let's bow our heads and our hearts, and we'll pray for our offering. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, God, for all that you are, for all that you do, Lord, for how you loved us first, God. We thank you, Lord, for all of your provisions. We know we are just so not worthy of all of the things that you give us, Lord. And we thank you, God, for your unmerited favor that you give to us on a daily basis, Lord. We just pray that you would bless these tithes and these offerings, God, that you would use them. You would use them to expand your kingdom, Lord. So we thank you, God, for all that you've given us. Would you use, Lord, what we give you today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God's grace is so overwhelming sometimes, and His mercy, we don't see a lot of that. I mean, it's there, but we don't see it, meaning we don't recognize it, right? So <clears throat> this song, God of Grace and Mercy, is intended to remind us of the scriptures that pour out the truth of His grace and His mercy in our lives. Altogether lovely are your ways, filling our days. Jesus, Lord of all our Prince of Peace, amazing are your ways, and how you say you have satisfied me, your love so inspired me, and placed this song of praise within my are awe-inspiring for me, thunder and for me, place my feet upon the solid rock, oh God of grace and mercy, altogether lovely are your ways, and in our day, 
Lord of all our Prince of Peace, amazing are your ways. And now you say, Lord, you have satisfied me, your love so inspired me, and placed this song of praise within my heart. You are
He's the first. He's the last. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, he says in his word, right? Yeah. 
Don't you love when he does that? Praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for your grace, your mercy, and Lord God, just for your drawing. We don't take for granted, Lord God, you've drawn us to this place today to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, to bow before you, Lord God, and Lord, give you what you ultimately deserve, and that is our praise, Lord, that is our worship, that is our thanksgiving, Lord God. So, Lord Jesus, we just pray that you would receive. Lord, let me, these prayers, these prayers of praise, these, Lord God, words of thanksgiving, may they just arise to you, Lord God, like an offering, like a sweet aroma unto the Lord. And, Lord God, may they be pleasing to you. For you have a people here who love you. You have a people here, Lord God, who are thankful to you for all that you've done for them. And, Lord God, we just worship you today. Praise the Lord. Give him all the glory. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. You can be seated. I have one announcement for you before I go to the word. And it is a key word. It is scholarship scholarships. So we have a, a, a Christian camp that we run here, and this summer, it's going to be two weeks, and uh, some of the kids in our church who would like to come, money's tight, right? You're in the midst of uh, a recession, although they don't, don't tell you that, and uh, we have inflation, and uh, the average family right now is spending around $5,000 a year more than they were a year ago. So it's hard for the families. But I know some of you, and we have so many generous people here in the church who, uh, who give, you know, and really give over and above, you know, their tithes. So if God's blessing you, you feel led by the Holy Spirit, you can donate, okay? And just if, if you write your check out, just put scholarship, put camp scholarship, and you can scholarship a child whose family would not be able to send them to camp so that they can send them to camp. And you know what's going on with our kids right now? You know what's going on, right? I mean, this stuff is about as sick and perverted 
It's like the perverts have taken over the school systems in this country where these kids are being confused about their gender uh, and then without the parents' consent, little children can, the girls could have their breasts cut off and the little boys can be castrated. I don't know if, again, this is stuff you're probably not hearing. Most parents don't know that this is going on. And it's being taught to children starting in third grade. So this is now the indoctrination, okay, of our children by pedophiles, okay? And, you know, again, these kids are getting hit with stuff that we, that we never imagined, right? I mean, we couldn't even imagine this stuff growing up. So, I mean, this is one, I mean, hey, look, we want to start a school here eventually. We're trying, we're working on that. But this uh, summer camp program, two weeks in the presence of godly people, teaching them the word of God, them celebrating and enjoying Jesus, and we want to give them, we want to give them that opportunity. You know, there's a, there's a, uh, a UFC fighter, um, she's a woman, her father's a preacher, and I, I can't remember her name, but every time she fights and she wins... She basically, in the octagon, she'll stand up and she'll just say, listen, all of you, listen, listen, i got 20,000 people, listen to me. You need to stand up and defend the children. Well, this is a way for you to stand up and defend the children, by giving. And uh, being able to get some of those kids, again, who wouldn't be able to come to our camp, to be able to come to our camp. By the way, we don't make, you know, this is not a profit organization. We don't make any money. And we have to pay, you know, the people who do the teaching, okay, and the security and all the other things. We have to pay them for their time. So uh, you have an opportunity to make a difference. Amen? Pray about it, please. Pray about it. Because it could be a really, really good thing. Okay, so I'm going to go to the Word. And... uh, with me. Today we're going to talk about Jesus or Barabbas. Jesus or Barabbas. Stand with me for the reading of the word. And I'm going to ask you to go with me to Mark 5 in your Bibles. Mark 5, verse 6 through verse 15. So as we have been going through the Gospel of Mark, we come to this passage In Mark chapter 15, verse 6 through 15, the word of our Lord. Now at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas, who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. For Pilate uh, answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd so that he could, or he should rather release Barabbas to them. And Pilate answered and said to them, What then do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, Crucify him. And then Pilate said to them, Why, what evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they told together uh, the whole garrison. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord God, you know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus and Barabbas stood at the place called Gabbatha, the place, Lord God, of decision. Supposedly justice. And the crowd screamed 
We want Barabbas. Lord, we are in the same place today. We stand at Gabbatha today. The stones are beneath our feet. And Lord, we have a choice. Is it going to be Jesus in our lives or Barabbas? And that is the decision of all decisions, Lord God, that will determine our eternal destiny. I pray, Lord God, before anyone leaves this place today, may they make the right choice. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can be seated. So, again, we have Barabbas or Jesus. I want to show you some things here. There are some similarities between the two, and there are differences. So first, some similarities. Both are prisoners in chains, right? The chains of Rome. Both are leaders. Jesus is the leader of the kingdom of God. Barabbas was a leader of the revolution against Rome. Both are rebels. Understand, Jesus is the ultimate rebel. But Barabbas was a rebel as well. Both are accused of exactly the same crime, which is insurrection, attempting to overthrow the Roman Empire. Both are on death row, waiting for execution. Similarities. There are also some differences. Jesus was accused of what Barabbas was guilty of. Okay, again, insurrection, rebellion against Rome, though Jesus was innocent. One was about to receive the penalty, though innocent. The other about to be set free, though guilty. One was about to be condemned. The other was about to be liberated. And one was about to die so that the other could live. Right? Unique, right? These unique similarities, these unique differences. They're in a place called Gabatha. Gabatha is the Aramaic, the Greek for the stone pavement. It's the place, really, of Pilate's judgment seat. It's the place where decisions are made. It's the place where, where choices are made. And I say this to you, you are standing at Gabatha today because over the course of the last 2,000 years, every person has to make that decision of whether they will choose Jesus or Barabbas. That is, that is the choice. Today, humanity is still making that choice, that decision. When we go to Israel, here is uh, the little, this little nook that has been created through the centuries. But that... Those are the original stones of Gabbatha. I have knelt there many times and prayed, and my tears have fallen on those, uh, on those stones. But it's the place, again, of choice. Is it Jesus or is it Barabbas? Now, here's, here's something unique that I think many of you probably don't know. His name, Barabbas, is actually Jesus Bar-Abbas. And if you, if you go to um, Matthew chapter 27, 16, in your Bibles, it doesn't say his name was Jesus. And I, I think that may be because the uh, scholars and those who translated didn't want Jesus' name to be associated with Barabbas. But his name is Jesus Barabbas. Yeshua, okay, Yeshua. Bar, who knows what the word bar is? Right, right. He is he is son of what? Abbas, God, son of the Father. His name was was Jesus, son of the Father. Now I'll, I'll show you something too. If you look at, at at Barabbas, and you look at the word the word Rabbas, what do we get? What do, in Hebrew, what do you get? The word Rabbas. What is what is the word Rabbas? 
rabbi. His father was likely a rabbi. So it's Jesus, son of the rabbi, the teacher. Now, through the centuries, there have been a lot of different things said about Barabbas. We have a lot of different portraits. And I, I would like to give you an accurate portrait, portrait of, um, of Barabbas. Right, those are some actors who have played Barabbas. And um, in, in the movie, The Passion of the Christ, Mel, Mel Gibson, he makes Barabbas really ugly. I'm going to show you, use him as, a, as an illustration as we go through the message. But here's, here are some people, right, actors. I don't know who the two at the top are, but that's Anthony Quinn, right? And uh, he played Barabbas. I would say this, the picture that I'm going to show you of Barabbas that is uh, used in The Passion, he was, I think, much better looking than this. He was young. Uh, I think he was very fit. And I'll explain why, you know, he was in, you know, that place and in that situation. But um, here is, again, a portrait of Barabbas. First is he's in chains, with his fellow rebels, the, the Zealots. Okay, if you understand, in the time of Jesus, there were a number of groups. You had Sadducees, you had Pharisees, okay? You had scribes. You had the Essenes. They're not mentioned in the Bible, but we know as we, we study archaeology, they were a very influential group. Some people believe John the Baptist was an Essen. And then you had the Zealots. And the Zealots were, were revolutionary. So here, he's chained with his fellow rebels. He's chained with his fellow Zealots. He's, right, he's in chains. He's a prisoner. He's in jail. Second thing about Barabbas, he is a, a, a rebel. He's an insurrectionist. His goal was to overthrow the Romans and restore the kingdom of Israel as it was in the time of David. So essentially, the Zealots, they were freedom fighters. They were revolutionaries, really not unlike the revolutionaries who defeated the British and gave us the founding of the 13 colonies, the founding of America. They were freedom fighters. So Mark chapter 15, 7 again, it tells us here, and there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion, in the rebellion, in the insurrection, in the revolution. He... Uh, they murdered Roman soldiers, right? They committed Mark chapter 15, 7 murder. They were, they were experts in the ambush. Experts in the ambush. They didn't have enough power to be able to take on a century of Roman soldiers, a hundred soldiers, or a cohort, a thousand soldiers, or a legion, 6,000 soldiers, but they were, they were experts in the ambush, they, they carried short swords that could easily be concealed in their, in their cloaks. And what they would do is, they were, if you know what a gray man is, a gray man blends in. Nobody would ever know, right, what they were capable of. Nobody would ever know of their, of their skills at killing people. And uh, they would blend in with the crowd, and they'd go to an inn, and there were some Roman soldiers who were having a bite to eat, drinking a little too much wine, and they would just blend in. And then when the Roman soldiers would come out, they would just come up, walk behind them, pull out their short sword, and just stab them in the heart, or cut their throat, and kill them. And this is what 
again, the zealots, uh, we're doing a vic- Hanukkah. You read about Hanukkah and the Maccabees. The Maccabees were the beginning of the zealots. And the Maccabees overthrew the Syrians, Antiochus, Epiphanes. And to a great extent, this is how they did it. But they were, they were freedom fighters. You may not agree with certain uh, cultures, but you look at the Taliban. The Taliban, though again, you, you may not like what they believe in, the way they treat women. The, the Taliban are great freedom fighters. They defeated the Russians. They drove the Russians out of Afghanistan. And they drove the United States out of Afghanistan. They won. But they're, they're, they're freedom. You go to Israel, and you see the uh, Hamas. And you have a lot of very extremely militant Hamas zealots. They want to destroy Israel. They want to drive Israel out of the Holy Land. And uh, what they do is the, the main weapon, their main weapon, okay, is a knife. And they get real close to the Israeli soldiers. And then all of a sudden, boom, they stab them. So these, are, these again, these are, again, you may not agree with their ideology, and I don't. But they're freedom fighters. And that's essentially the, the key thing. It also tells us that he was notorious. Barabbas was notorious. And I'll, I'll show you that in Matthew chapter 17, verse 16. He says he was a notorious prisoner. And um, the word is episemos. And essentially what the word means, and it's, it's again, it's translated, I really think, poorly, notorious... Because, you know, Adolf Hitler was notorious. You know, Genghis Khan was notorious. Um, you look at a mass murderer, they're notorious. David Berkowitz, remember the son of Sam. And the word here, episemos, it speaks about it, the person was notable. In fact, in a sense, noteworthy. The, the word can be translated famous, remarkable. He was well known. Amongst the, the people of Israel. He was a leader of the zealots. He's a leader of the revolution. He's a leader of the rebellion. He's on a mission to liberate Israel. From the oppression. The taxation. The murder. Of the Romans. Against the Israelis. So Barabbas is a, is a hero. He's, he's kind of a, a messianic warrior. To the Jewish people. He's a, a, a Zionist. So again, I think many times he's, he's portrayed as this, just this, this, this selfish, ruthless murder. He's a, he's a, he's a revolutionary. And um, the people loved him. The people are rooting for him. It also tells us that he was a thief. A robber. I just want to, again, the, the word that's used here. For this, and it tells us that in John chapter 19, verse 40, then they all cried again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. The word is lestes, and it's not the robber who sneaks in the window and steals your television set. The idea here is he is a robber, he is a plunderer. A, a, a word in English would be brigand. It's the concept one who will kill the enemy. And then plunder their goods. He'll steal the Roman sword. He'll steal their helmet. He'll uh, steal their spear. 
right? He'll steal their short sword. He'll steal their money. But it's not, not for selfish, greedy reasons. It's then to fund the revolution. So he is a, a robber who uses the plunder to fight the revolution. That is Barabbas. Now, I want to make a little comparison here between Barabbas and us. Us humans. Me and you. Because there's a lot of similarities. Right? We, we know right, Barabbas was in chains. Right? Barabbas was in bondage for his crimes. You go through the scriptures. I'll just quote from John chapter 8, 34. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Everybody in the human race, right? Like Barabbas is a prisoner. Chained, right? Chained by sin. Right? Isn't that what sin does to us? Sin gets rooted in us. Deeply rooted in us. And it becomes an addiction. We repeat it you know, over and over again. And with it, with it comes, comes the condemnation. So we are all, we are all you know, born into that sin. A, a, a slave, right? To sin. A slave to sin. In chains. It also says we're in chains to Satan. And then, and then it, it says that he was essentially really on, on death row. In, in John chapter 3.17, it tells us, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Why didn't God send Jesus into the world to condemn the world? Ritter, did you say that? Say it real loud. Yes, thank you, Ritter. Because the world is already condemned. The world is, it's because we're all under condemnation. The entire human race. We, we are on death row. So Barabbas is on death row, so is the human race. We're all under judgment. We, we are in the electric chair waiting Right? For the person to pull the lever. We're all waiting for that. We're guilty of sin. Right? We're, we're, we're guilty of breaking God's law. And if you're sitting here today or you're watching this at some time and you're doubting that, folks, have you ever lied? Cheated? Taken the Lord's name in vain? I'm just giving you just three right there. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're waiting execution. We're waiting hell. Let me, let me, I want to show you, I think, one of the most frightening verses I have ever read in the Bible. The great white throne judgment. This is not a judgment of believers. This is not a judgment of people who have received Jesus and have been covered by his blood, by his righteousness, and forgiven and pardoned and justified for all their sins. This is for people who have rejected Jesus, who want nothing to do with God through all the ages, with his grace, with his mercy. And in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15, he says, Then I saw a great white throne in him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was no place for them. It's all gone. And I saw the dead. Notice the dead. This is talking about the spiritually dead. They're physically dead, but they're spiritually dead. 
small and great, standing before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to the works by the things which were written in the books. Notice, they're judged by their works. Believers are not judged by their works. Our works can't save us. Our, our works can't redeem us. Our works can't justify us or pardon us. They're judged according to their works. And what does that mean? That means everything they have ever done. Every sin in that book, every sin they have ever committed, every blasphemous word, every curse, every word of gossip or slander, every lie, every theft, every evil act, every evil deed... You know what the scripture tells us? Go to Romans chapter 2. They will be convicted by their own words. Ever done this? That rotten person is a, is a liar. That person is a liar. Have you ever lied? Have you ever done this? That, that person, they, they stole. They stole. That person stole from that stinking thing. Have you ever stole? You ever been really angry at somebody who drops the Lord's name left and right, right, in vain? Have you ever done it? Think about it. Their own words, every thought, every evil thought, every evil motive. God looks at the heart, right? He judges us, he looks at our hearts. Every evil word we've spoken, every word of slander, every word of gossip, every evil deed we have committed, if not covered by the blood of of the Lamb, they stand there totally naked. There ain't no hope. Well, man, I just I look at the, if I'm there and God puts up on the screens my entire life and every sin I've committed, I don't have a prayer. I don't have a hope. Well, Lord, what about some of the good things? What about some of the good? I did some. I did some. Blah, 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 there, there goes the. There, there goes the movie. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. How do you get your name in the book of life? You want to get your name in the book of life. Your name isn't in the book of life today. You want to get your name in the book of life. You want to do everything you can to get your name in the book of life. How do you do that? By faith in the one who hung on the cross and died to you to pardon you, to forgive you, to redeem you, Jesus. So, so again, just like Barabbas, right, the human race stands there condemned. And what does the word of God tell us? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not go to hell, but have eternal life. Jesus died in our place to save us from hell, to keep us from perishing. Jesus died for Barabbas in his place. Jesus died for you and I in our place on the cross. He took our place. He took our nails. They were meant for my hands and they were meant for my feet. He took my cross. It was meant for my back. And he took my hell upon himself. 
When he was on the cross, and at noon, darkness came over the earth, I believe the whole earth, he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? At that point, there is a separation somehow again. I cannot fully explain it, but in Jesus' humanity, he was separated from the Father for the first time in all eternity. And he suffered hell on the cross so that we would never have to suffer hell. You know what that's called? There's a theological word you want to put into your, put it into your computer. Substitutionary atonement. He is my substitute. He took my place. And atonement is a word for covering and his righteousness covered my sin. And essentially it satisfied the law, the justice. God is just. God demands right, that there would be justice done for evil. But Jesus, he took, he took it. I'll give you a great illustration, substitutionary atonement. During the, uh, the age in Europe of the monarchs, there was a, a monarch and there was a lot of stealing going on in his kingdom, and his leaders came to him and they said, there's a lot of theft, there's a lot of stealing. And he said, we need to make a law that will stop this. So they agreed to a law, and the king made a law, signed it into law, that the next person who was caught stealing would have their right eye plucked out. A few days later, his son is caught stealing and brought before him. And all of the people of the kingdom are looking. Will this king uphold his law? Was just king. And he's looking at his son. Going to have to pluck out his right eye. And he pulled out his knife. And he put it to his own eye. And he plucked out his own eye. That is what Jesus did for us. The law had to be upheld. Justice had to be upheld. So he took on himself all of our sins. Isaiah 53.5 but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our inequities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. He was wounded for our sins. He was bruised for our sins. And what would give us peace. That chastisement was placed upon him so that we could have shalom. I want you to, to see something. We, a lot of times we read the scriptures and it's good to personalize the scriptures. Let God really speak into your heart. I'll show you. This is, again, Isaiah 53, 5. He was bruised. I'm sorry. He was wounded for, for my. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. Every sin I have ever committed, every, every evil thought, every evil word, every evil deed. He was wounded for my transgressions, he was bruised for my iniquities, and the chastisement of my peace was upon him, and by his stripes I am healed. By his stripes I am forgiven. By his stripes I am pardoned. By his stripes I have been justified and declared innocent before God. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2.24 who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. And again, to personalize it, who himself bore my sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. It was my sins 
personal. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23 through 26, Probably one of the one of the greatest group of verses you'll find that really explains this idea of substitutionary atonement. It says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. <laughs> I was once visiting somebody in the hospital and the guy next to him was listening and he started asking me questions and I said to him, You believe you're a sinner, right? He said, No, I've never sinned. Uh, besides some people who are absolutely, you know, totally delusional. I don't know what he was smoking or what he was drinking, but, um, you know, to, to be basically make that statement, you are absolutely delusional. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified, justified, that is to be declared innocent, freely, freely, by his grace. Right, understand what grace is. Grace is what God does for us, right, that we don't deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. So, by his grace, through the redemption, that is to be bought back. He bought us back. Paid the price for our sins. That is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation. There's another one to put into your, into your theological file. The word propitiation, by his blood. Propitiation means essentially a covering, atonement, or pardon. It could be, again, used justification. Propitiation by his blood, white how? Through works? No, through faith. To demonstrate his righteousness, right? Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. To demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus, right? He is just in that he took our sins and he paid the price so that we who are unjust could be forgiven. Now I want to show you the word, the word propitiation. By his blood. I'm going, to take you, I'm going to take you to the book of Exodus. The Ark of the Covenant. Okay. This is a, a picture, a rendition from the, the Jewish uh, museum of the Ark of the Covenant. Notice you, ha you have the two angels. And then you have the, the box. I'll show you what's in the box in a second. But the two angels, the very presence of God. The Shekinah glory would come into the tabernacle. That great flame. It would come right down between the, between the cherubim. The very presence, the holy presence of God. And then inside of the ark, you have the Ten Commandments. And then we are told that you also had Aaron's staff. And then you had the jar of manna. And what do they represent? They represent man's rebellion against God. So the, the Ten Commandments, man's rebellion against God's law... Aaron's staff, man's rebellion against God's authority, and then the manna, man's rebellion against God's provision. So there's, it's, it's the, the Ark of the Covenant, inside the Ark of the Covenant, man's sin. Man's sin in his rebellion. What do you have in between man's sin and a holy God? What is that thing called there? It's called a mercy seat. It was made of solid gold. The only part of the Ark that was made, the Ark of the Covenant that was made of solid gold. And what would happen is, there is where once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go in and he would sprinkle the blood of the Lamb on the Day of Atonement and it was placed there on the mercy seat. Right? There is the priest going in there. And that is 
the covering. You know who our mercy seat is? You know who our propitiation is? It's Jesus. He's the one, he's the one who hangs on the cross, right? He hung on the cross between a holy God and sinful men to take sinful men and reconcile them to a holy God and to provide a covering for our sins. I want to just want to take you to Romans 3 again, verse 23 through 25. This is in the New Living Translation. I added this because yesterday morning I was in Romans in my study, my personal study. I love my personal study, by the way. When I stop preaching, I will be in personal study until the day the Lord calls me home. I absolutely love it. I get up in the morning excited about coming to the Word of God. And you should have the same passion. This has nothing to do with preaching, has nothing to do with teaching. No, God gave me something this morning, that I, uh, yesterday morning, that I wanted to share with you. So I'm, I'm going through, by the way, New Living Translation. I want to encourage you. Some of you have a hard time with the Bible. Maybe you're having difficulty with um, the New King James Version. I encourage you, pick up a New Living Translation. Uh, you'll enjoy it. That's, that's, this is my re- Every year I read a different Bible translation. And this one really, Pastor Lou uses it with the kids. And I really do enjoy it. And um, again, it's, it's a little bit more wordy, so you've got to be careful with things. You see, sometimes I, I will call out, in my limited knowledge, I will call out a translator on a word. But this is just, I have enjoyed it so much in the past uh, three months. I started January 1st. And I'm reading this morning, uh, yesterday morning, I'm reading Romans 3. And it was like just the amazing grace of God just rolled over me like a, like a giant wave. And I just sat there, I sat there in awe. And, and I'll just read it to you. For everyone has sinned. All right, it, sa- it says, for all I have fallen short of God's glorious standard. Yet, yet God in his grace freely makes me right in his sight. Even though I've sinned, even though I have I've sinned and repeatedly sinned, and I believe this, he has made me right in his sight and forgiven me from the sins I've committed in the past to the sins that I can commit right now and to the sins I will commit in the future. Yet God in his grace freely makes me right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed me from the penalty of my sins, from hell. He freed me. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. I was made right with God when I believed that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. Isn't that great? Sometimes it's good, good to personalize, personalize the scriptures for you. I'll give you, I'll give you one other. First Corinthians chapter five twenty one. Again, the substitutionary atonement. It says, "For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him." For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for me. Do you understand? He took all my sins upon the cross. Everything. Right? That, that is, again, that is, that is his, his uh, amazing forgiveness. And then, that he, I might become the righteousness of God in him. So he took my sins, but then he gave me his righteousness. So I fail God. 
I sometimes still sin. I occasionally fall short of the glory of God. But yet the Father looks down at me, and what does he see? He sees the same perfect, immaculate, pure righteousness of Jesus. Again, this is why it's by faith. You, you, have, to, you have to have a good-sized faith to believe that, right? It's by faith. By the way, in, in, in Romans 3, when he's talking about, again, we are justified by faith. You go to Romans 4, and I was in Romans 4 this morning. So he talks about the faith of Abraham, and the word of faith, the word faith is used over and over and over and over and over and over and over again because it's by faith, by faith, by faith. You must believe it. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work for it. We are saved by grace through faith. And you must believe it to receive it. So, again, Jesus or Barabbas. And the people, they chose the wartime Messiah instead of the Messiah who came to bring peace with God and peace to their souls. The crowd chose a wartime Messiah who spilled Roman blood versus the true Messiah who came to spill his own precious blood. They chose a wartime Messiah who took human life versus the true Messiah who would come and give his own life. And the crowd chose to save Barabbas instead of Jesus. And it was Jesus who chose to save the crowd instead of himself. So they cried, right? They cried, crucify him. Crucify Even today, right? Don't they, they cry, crucify him? Right? Get him out of, get him out of here. <laughs> he interferes. Have you noticed that? He does. My goodness, he, he interferes. He interferes with my money. He interferes with my sexuality. He interferes with my agenda. He interferes with my recreation and people, right? They get 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 him out of here. Crucify him. Crucify him. And people today are crying that same that same word out. I need to eliminate him. And you could see that. You could see that in the woke crowd. The communists for a hundred years have tried to crucify Jesus again, right? To burn the Bibles, kill the missionaries, kill the, 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 the priests, the, the ministers who preach the word, the socialists, the liberals, the hedonists, right? By the way, he died for them all. If you're one of those people today, he died for them all. I, I, was, I was there one time. I was an atheist. <laughs> I, I really could not have good, a good explanation why... I was an atheist in eliminating Jesus, but my explanation was, I didn't want him meddling in my life. I wanted my own life. Wanted to do what I wanted to do and go where I wanted to go and didn't want to be bothered with him. So just, you, know, you can have your Jesus, your church, your Bible, and friends who are sharing the gospel. That's good for you if it works for you, but leave me alone. I don't, I don't want that. So they still cry. Crucify him. People's hearts still cry, crucify him. So Jesus, he lived a life that we could never live. A perfect life, a sinless life, a, a life that was just love-filled 
grace-given, merciful, a sacrificial, a selfless life, a life that, I mean, I look at I could never live it. He paid a debt we could never pay. I couldn't pay the debt. Had to be a perfect sacrifice by a perfect man who was sinless. Couldn't, couldn't do that. And he was raised to life that we are powerless to do on our own. But he will pour that power into our lives if we seek him and ask. So, again, 2,000 years later, we stand at Gabbatha. Right? We stand in the stone pavement at place of decision. It's the place of choice. And is it Jesus or is it Barabbas? You see, is, is it Jesus who is the way? Right? He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through him. He is the way, not a way. Right? He is the way. Or, Barabbas, that's your way. And that's your choice. Is it going to be Jesus' way or Frank's way? And um, again, to choose, to choose Jesus, the righteous Messiah, the Savior, who died for Barabbas, He did the same for us. Barabbas was set free. A lot of people, again, they say Barabbas later became a believer. I'll tell you, I think that's very possible. I'll tell you why. The early Gospels, Matthew and Mark, when they mention Barabbas, they, they mention him in a, in a light that almost seems like everyone else knew him. So I think there's a, there's a, a possibility that we may see Barabbas in heaven. Again, I'm just kind of looking again. They're, they're just kind of the, the, the hidden, it's kind of the hidden between the lines word that seems to be alluding in the early Gospels because again, Matthew and Mark wrote very early. Luke wrote a little later and John wrote much later. And it seems that like in that early church, there was this idea that hey, we, you know Barabbas, we knew Barabbas. And uh, that he could have possibly become a believer. Which would tell us Jesus died twice for Barabbas. He died to save his physical life, but he's died to save his eternal life. And that is a, a beautiful, this, this undeserving, red, unworthy, unjust man just like me. He died for me in my place. Amen? I pray that you open your heart to receive that truth and to receive Jesus into your life. Take him in. Put your faith in him. Believe in him. And he will pardon you. He will forgive you. He will declare you innocent. He will take your sins from you. And then he will impart to you his righteousness. And you live by faith with a boldness that you can come to the Father even when you have failed Him miserably. Which we do at times. Knowing by faith 
that we have been accepted by grace. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your word. Lord God, there's no, no question. You put this in all four Gospels, this, this wonderful story of you dying in the place of a criminal, of a, a killer, of a violent man. But you took his place, and Lord God, you took our place on the cross to give us pardon, forgiveness, justification. I pray, Lord God, right now, people here, maybe people watching this this day or watching it, Lord God, in the future, they hear this message, may they just get down on their knees, humble themselves before you, and ask you to be their Savior, their Lord, and put their faith in you that you died for them on the cross, Lord God, to give them forgiveness, and you were raised from the dead to give them your life. With this we pray this day in Jesus' name, amen. Folks, stand with me. We're going to open the altars if you'd like to come forward for prayer. Thank you, Pastor Frank. Lord, thank you for your holy word. Yes, the altars are open for you as we sing this closing song. For prayer for healing, you can come forward and we'll pray for you. Faithful 
surrendering. So we, we have a fellowship in the Rock Center, bagels, food, um, cake, lobster, thermidor, and filet mignon. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your great love and grace. Lord God, that truly is amazing. We truly can say it's amazing grace. And Lord God, we just pray as we leave this place, Lord, we are unworthy, and you are totally worthy. But Lord God, just may we live our lives to bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.